When the moon rides high on the pine tree branch, then Two Gun Freddy of the Lone Pig Ranch. Oh, hi, hi, yip, yip, yip. He takes his guitar and he tightens up the strings and he jumps in the saddle and this is what he sings. Oh, hi, hi, yip, yip, yings. Oh, hi, hi, yip, yap, yap, yow. Oh, hi, yap, yip, yip, yings. Oh, the wild wind moans o'er the lone prairie. But to Gun Freddy, oh, louder moans he. Hi, hi, yip, yip, yip. He shouts his song till the whole sky rings as he sits in the saddle and twangles on the strings. Oh, hi, hi, yip, yip, yings. Oh, hi, hi, yip, yip, yap, yap, yo. Oh, hi, hi, yip, yip, yings. That is from Freddy the Cowboy by Walter R. Brooks. And uh, I, I hate to throw that at you just like cold like that because that probably just took you back a little bit. But boy, oh boy, we're going to talk about some good stuff here today. Hello, and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to Sally Forth. He's Edwin the brother. She's Megan the sister. And today, we are talking about... Summer reading lists. Yeah. So, Edwin... <laughs> brought tears to your eyes. <laughs> I am crying. Wow, that, that beautiful reading is just so moving and... <laughs> I, I my life will never be the same. How can it be? It, it, it's, it's completely changed. Because I'm a new person. The reason it's changed is because you just got slammed in the face with Freddy the Cowboy, which is you know he is Freddy the Pig. Yes. So he is the true rendition of Freddy the Pig. Can we, okay, let we gotta, we're we're gonna have to rewind, like kind of just do our. We're not, we're not, yeah, thank you for the sound. Perfect. Cause we got, I got you, bro. Okay, so we got to rewind because what are we doing today? We're talking about summer reading lists. Woo! It's summer, baby. Get your, your swimsuit on. Get out to the beach and slather that sunscreen on or not. Or get crispy. Or get crispy. Valid choice. Okay, and then find yourself a good book to read. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, you're like, there's so many options, a plethora of options yeah. In the book world, yeah. where it do is, I even it begin? An ocean of books out there. A vast sea arrayed but before we, you. We will save you. We will bring you to the beach mm -hmm. where you will come to safety and find an excellent choice to read. You, you could consider this reading list, this discussion about summer reading, your life preserver, your life ring tossed out to you as you flounder amidst the, the ocean of impenetrable text indeed and ravenous sharks don't okay. forget those one may wonder correctly what makes a summer reading list a summer reading list how is it not just any old reading list yeah why isn't it just the next book that you read what what makes summertime different and i think many people have uh, for me it has never had anything to do with school but I think for a lot of people, it does. 
for a lot of people, it's either like if you're a child that you do your summer reading program and you get the prize from Barnes & Noble after you read six books, which I always did in about six days. And they had the worst books as prize. It was a real deterrent. I don't know why I worked so hard. I thought the faster I got my prize, the better book I would get. No. It's just, it was very disappointing to me. It was disappointing. You could never pull anything off the classic shelf. No. I, I realized that there is no such thing as a prize. And nothing's free. And the world is out to get me. Life me. is dull, miserable, and cruel. Beat me down. And it's all too short. Yes. <sighs> But I did love reading as a kid in the summer, and I think that's where my, what I like to read now still comes from that. And the idea of ravenously reading this book late at night, way, way too late, just to finish it and to see what happened because I didn't have to have school the next morning. I think that's the only reason that school made a difference. For my reading. It wasn't so much that I read a different kind of book, but it's that I stayed up really late and I just lost myself in this other world and that I would just be completely consumed by this. So that was for me reading as a kid. I know some people have it like as they get older in school, like, well, this is the book that I actually get to pick, right? But I don't know if you're in college, you kind of got to pick it anyways. I mean, I know you're in a course that you don't always get to pick, but like you chose the course in general, so that's why you're reading it. So even in high school and like later in my life, I've never had it where I felt like I was forced to read a certain book. I always enjoyed what I read. And I think that's too because of our parents. We were exposed to books that we wouldn't just pick off the shelf per se. So that's, I think maybe that's what people mean by a college course. We're, you especially were just a ravenous reader. So if somebody said, oh, you should read this, you're like, okay, I'll read that. I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next assignment, you know? Yes. But that's what people mean in college maybe a little bit. Mm. And then for me, a very similar experience, of course. I think when it came to summer, I just like, you just get to indulge in all the books that you just love, right? So summer, sometimes you're rereading books, the the great ones, the ones you really stuck That's to you. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. And, but like, you also just get to, you get to read all the books of adventure that you want to, what, whatever really piques your interest. That's what you get to delve deeply into. Yeah. It always, and I think just summertime for me has a air of freedom and just letting go and going with your gut and just like... Yeah, wherever the wind blows you. Mm -hmm. That being said, though, I usually have planned for months what I'm going to read in the summer. So I don't know. But I'm trying. I'm, I'm a wisp. I'm a dandelion fluff flowing in the wind reading books. A free spirit. That's right. I think just like summer reading, just the action. It just brings up so many memories to me, like coming out of the pool exhausted from swimming for four or five hours. And then you get to wrap up in a towel and your hands are still a little bit wet and you oh, leaf and through a book. because you're all pruned yeah, and exactly. chlorine Oh, yes. So that's what I think of, or like being by the beach and, and just like laying on a towel and reading and then reading too much and then you find out that you're burnt. And... <laughs> so that's what I think of a little bit. Yeah, and now like what I look for are, are books that kind of give me that feeling. So a lot of the books that I've picked, 
have those kind of a journey story. A lot of them are set in the summertime, so they have that that glow to it, that warmth, that dust. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, that kind of like far away letting go spirit. Yeah. So that's just our take on summer readings. Maybe now we can just dig into our examples. Yeah, because like maybe, maybe you like to, like, that's the time that you tackle that really big book that you've been you know, that, yeah. maybe that for you, like, you just like, okay, just through the summer, I want to read War and Peace, and that's my goal. I like, because the summer just kind of fires me up, and I just like to go, I like to read page turners, I like to read shorter books. And I, it's not I like episodic, because oh, a lot of times... That's a good point. Because a lot of times, you're reading in snatches, mm. it, and sometimes summer is conflated with vacation reading as well yeah and i always find not always very often find that vacation is not necessarily the best time to read i always get interrupted when i'm like people aren't talking to me and then all of a sudden i pick up a book it's the fastest way for somebody to start talking to me it's not bad Every time but you're at the pool all good nobody's saying anything anymore you pick up your book and all of a sudden you start talking when on my honeymoon, I, I, I read a lot. So I can't remember what book I read. <laughs> That's terrible. It was a good book. <laughs> it was a noble book. Yeah. It's going to come to me. Yeah, you'll come back to it. But yeah, episodic is a really good point. We have a couple that are, are good for that. Yeah. But let's start maybe with our recommendations. And here we're just free associating with, with things that we're planning to read or things that we have read during the summertime that really stuck with us. We may reread them this summer. Who knows? Yes. Anything can happen unless it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's begin. So let's begin with with... what you read so well. That was so moving. Thank you. uh, At the very beginning. So tell us about Freddy the Pig and in particular, Freddy the Cowboy written by Walter Brooks. So Brooks created this character, Freddy the Pig. And these are a series of books that take place in upstate New York, or they're they're based in upstate New York, and it's all these farm animals. And, of course, they can do the normal things farm animals do. Um, The chickens lay eggs. The the horse plows the field. Um, But also their pig can write poetry. Uh, As you heard earlier. The... uh, Oftentimes, uh, they get into many adventures. They even go to the North Pole. And this all takes place. Um, uh, it's the bean farm. And you know what's really interesting is that it, it is really treated like this is the only farm where the farmer's so good that the, the, the animals decide to talk. I think that's the little window into the, uh, the, the dispensing away with reality. Suspension of disbelief. That's I was reaching for those words there, and they weren't there. <laughs> I was suspended reaching for those words. No. So, it, and these are what would be considered young adult books, or, or right Today, early. Well, I would or no, say children. children's books. I would say children's book, but he did not write it with the intention for it to be for children. So I think adults can find a lot of enjoyment. I think you would get so much pleasure from reading out out loud to a child. That's what I had in mind. The, these are immensely readable. Allowable. Allow- <laughs> <laughs> readable and 
Bible. <laughs> Talking myself into these corners. But you can read it aloud and or sing the poems. So because it's a character and because there's this suspension of disbelief already, you can have things like Freddy the Cowboy or Freddy the Pilot. You just you have this character who's immensely lovable and has all these quirks and short fallings and also these you know so, some admirable qualities as well and you can just put them into these absurd situations like Freddy the Pilot you know just the fact that a pig read can fly a plane uh Brooks just makes that happen Yeah and I always found it so believable Yeah like you don't even bat an eye and it just completely transports you into a place where yeah animals talk but it's not it's not so absurd for us to make stories where the cat the animals behave like humans oh we do that uh, especially all the time. with children's stories so like aristocrats mm-hmm. right away comes to uh disney's um uh robin hood where it's a yes. fox and everything um so many i mean aesop's oh, fables you go back yeah. that far yeah, right? I mean, even farther. The Redwall series, those are all mm-hmm. rodents. <laughs> you bunch of rats. Yeah. So it, it, I don't think that's a, at all a limiting factor on enjoying these books. No, so uh, he wrote these as a series, right? Correct. So would you start at Freddy the Cowboy or where, where's the best place to start for someone who hasn't read any of the Freddy books? Okay, so what I would do is I would look at... All of the titles, and then if you're really interested in cowboys, I'd pick cowboys. And if you're really interested in, like, what, whatever what? title just piques your interest, go and grab it, read it, and you'll be like, oh, there's a backstory here. Then go back to the beginning to where uh, it was. Um, Freddie goes to Florida. Florida. Exactly. The first one he yeah. Wrote, yes. Where he really does a nice job introducing uh, everybody. Everybody. So, about how many chapters would it be? Like, how long is an average book? Um. Oh, and by the way, they have such nice illustrations. Gorgeous illustrations by Kurt uh, Wise and, and Freddy the Cowboy. And uh, they're roughly 200 pages, 200-some pages, yeah. all of them. Uh, so they're not they're not massive. They're real, no. You know, and it's, it's, it's large print, and like you said, there's illustrations, and they don't... But the, the nice thing is he does select a vocabulary which is not expansive, but it is definitely not dumbed down at all. Yeah. In fact, in today's age, I would say that it would bring most people up on their vocabulary. Absolutely. I feel like I went down a couple notches once I kind of, I, I wouldn't say grow out of reading them, but I stopped reading them because you have to read other stuff, right? Yeah, you move exactly. on and you, you read all the books. Uh, but I'm like, I need to go back to Freddy and, and brush up on my vocab. Well, just one title is like Freddy and the Poppinjay, right? Mm. Well, Poppinjay is a kind of bird, but it's also a type of character. Yes. Yeah. So, so you a lot learn, of wordplay. But a lot of wordplay, but you learn the words, right? And it, it, it's in there. And you yep. have characters who are known for pe- speaking effusive language that's that's flowery and ornate. And because it's there it, and cast always with a sparkle of humor you're going to really latch on to some of those words and incorporate it into your own vocabulary so wow fascinating yeah yeah, i might might reread those okay i'm excited um since you brought up freddie the cowboy Mm -hmm. let's talk about one of the greatest western writers 
Ever. Ever. Louis L'Amour. I always read at least one of Louis L'Amour's books. And I can I can read a bunch because they don't take very long to read. No. And I don't know if they don't take long to read or I just like yell at everybody and hide in my room until I'm done. Because <laughs> I just have to finish it. I get more He than... grabs you with he his does. words. He does. And, you know, first couple pages you're like, I'm not committed. It's okay. I could put it down and do something else. I could stop anytime I and, choose. And then, you know, by the third page you're like, no, no, we're done. Game yep. over. Just nobody talk to me. I get very grouchy if I'm in a book and people talk to me. I'm like, <laughs> she gets grouchy. That's true, but it gets worse, if you can imagine that. It's way worse. So, yeah, what I'm going to read from Louis L'Amour this year is The Quick and the Dead and Kill Rome. So one is, is a more civil war and one is more just the, the West. But he, I, I like it in the summer because of the setting. Yes. And they always have these mysterious characters. And you just, it's so textural. And he doesn't always explain the backstory. This no. is such a great tip for writing pa- powerful stories. Just have characters who have backstory and you just let people fill it in. Mm-hmm. You don't have to write the whole book. Let, yeah. you, let your readers carry some of the burden. Yeah. And these are very, like his books are very much character driven. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, they really stick with you and they're so gripping. Um, a couple that I have read that I love um, is Hondo, mm-hmm. which started as a short story, yep. which is very good, but he also made a full-length novel out of it. And then a, a full-length motion picture with John Wayne. It's so good. It's it my, is good. It, it's one of my favorites. I don't know why I keep coming back to that one, but it's just it's just got it all. Mm-hmm. Um, the Shadow Riders, again, that one was made into a movie. Shadow Riders is really good. That one, they changed, and so he kind of disowned the movie. He disowned a lot of movies, but he had a lot of his books made into movies as well. Because of that, they are so visual. They are so much about character. Yeah. And it gives you such a sense of that place, and it transports you into an earlier time. And it just when you're sitting outside in the sun and you're reading it, like it just takes you right there. Yeah, and the great thing is these things are a dime a dozen at a used bookstore. Yes. The the walls of them... And he was so prolific, but almost, almost everyone will be readable. Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while, you'll find a gem that is just immensely readable. But yeah, his, his really big works were the, the sackets, right? That's some of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, those are all about one family. Yes. Uh, How they, they come from Tennessee, right? And they, they all. Well, originally he put a lot of research into it, but. The first Sackett is uh, somebody who is basically on the lam from the British government because he's, um, I believe, Scottish, but he might be Irish, Scotch-Irish, living in the Fen. I learned the word Fen. And he, through several misadventures, he ends up moving to, he's, he basically becomes Daniel Boone, if you will. And uh, then the Sacketts are in America, and then they can go, and the family grows, and they can do whatever, everything he wants them to do in a plot. Yeah. So if you don't know which one to get, if there's a Sackett one, go go with that. But there's we've read like the Iron Marshall. Uh, there's so many. The Daybreakers is a Sackett one. I would say um, Shalico is a really yes, good character. That's what I was thinking of. Shalico is really good. Yeah. Yeah, so have fun. Go to a used bookstore. Support 
those people. They're yeah. amazing, those used bookstores. And you'll always find one. Also, if you're looking to expand uh, your language capabilities, a lot of his books have been translated into some of the more obscure uh, languages. Really? Well, not obscure, but a lot of his stuff has been translated into Portuguese. Okay. Or, uh, where it's, substan- hard, to, where it's yeah. hard to find books translated. Into yeah. Language, yeah. Yeah. Typically, yeah. like there's, there, he, he's been translated into a lot of different. I didn't know that. And that because the stories aren't super complex and they have a lot of dialogue in them. Mm-hmm. There's a, if you're learning a language, definitely a good way to go. Yeah. Or you just want to get a friend in another country, you know, a book. And yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know it's going to be good. And exactly. It's, it's in something that they can read. I know because he he has surprising depth yep. to him. Like it always kind of sneaks up on you. But he's I think it's because he's so rooted in reality and he knows people and he knows the history. And he knows the land and he brings all of that into these novels. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about Louis Lamore and why he has this depth, you should read his autobiography. Which I haven't read. So that is really... Uh, maybe I should read that first. You definitely should read that. Yeah. Clips along just like his novels. See? Beautiful. Education of a Wandering Man. And I, I love biographies, autobiographies, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So good. Yeah, when, especially... When in doubt, go with one of those. Especially when they're not dry, you know? Mm-hmm. Like just... Well-watered. Or self... <laughs> yeah, self-important biographies or sure. autobiographies aren't as interesting. Mm-hmm. Not that I've read many of those, but... Okay, that was a great aside. (laughs) These are all asides. (laughs) Moving to the other side of the aside. (laughs) Was there a younger reader's book that you would uh, plug in alongside of Freddy the Pig? Absolutely. Uh, Our dad found in Canada, because it's a a British um, publication, uh, the series called The Roman Mysteries that just have stolen my heart. They're just amazing mysteries. There's four kids in ancient Rome, and it involves, you know, history. It involves mythology and all these really interesting mysteries. And one that I always reread in the summer without fail was The Sirens of Sorrentum. Get the spines broke. I think I reread that one too. <laughs> we fought over this one. I don't know why particularly. I think it was because they were in the summertime. They're in Naples. You can literally smell lemon when you're reading this book. And taste wine. And I'm holding my hands <laughs> like an Italian person when I'm talking to you about this. <laughs> and I'm using more hand gestures. Uh, but no, such such a great uh, series. And it's one of those series where I think they they start when they're nine years old. Yeah. And so you get to grow up with them. Now, I think you could just read the series wherever you're at. Yeah. But it is, it was really fun for us to read them as they came out. And we really got to grow up with these characters. Exactly. So like if you have children and you're, you're buying them books for their birthday, like do it. Do just like, don't get the whole series all at once because they'll just gobble it up and they won't, they won't savor it. So. You must suffer. Yeah. <laughs> suffer like we did, where it was like all of a sudden there was a dry spell. You know, the anticipation. It was like, please go to Canada, father. You know what's kind of funny is because I got the first three books for, mm. for as mm-hmm. a present, and I didn't touch them for quite a while. Oh. It was because there's so much to read, and yeah. it, it was 
at the time that I got them, a little bit above my level. So then I cracked it open and just, wow, this is really, I almost didn't want to tell you. I, I remember. I did, you did I, not want no. to know because what happened is that every time Edwin really liked a book, I had to read it. Because yeah. He really liked it. So yeah. Edwin's like, no, this is mine. Yeah. My precious. A little sister coming out here showing me, I can read it too, and I like it just as well as you do. <laughs> I, in fact, I like it more. I like it better than you. <laughs> no. But, uh, these are just charming books, and I, yeah. Just, yeah. And it's, it's such a great series. Um, again, we we're talking about something that's episodic. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is, uh, so there are whole books, right? So it's not mm-hmm. quite as episodic, but because it's a series, you can keep grabbing for more. It's like those potato chips. You can't oh, just have yeah. one. Yeah. Keep I, on a crunch and munching. I do remember we, we take, uh, vacations together and basically I had to be the book ahead of you. <laughs> yes. So there's... <laughs> I know the yeah. pressure was on, so that yes. none of us would wait. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Those are some yeah. good times. No, I I would say go with this because it's a it's a trip to Italy, and it's... Uh, to to Roman times, right? Roman because, times. Because yeah, like I don't know Rome. if we we mentioned that, but what what yeah. time period does it take? Like uh, sixty it, A.D. Yeah, I think it ends at Nero. Okay. So whenever that is. Yeah. Go figure that out. We're not doing that. No. You got to do something yourself, people. No, we forget too much of our ancient uh, ancient studies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's June uh, 80, uh, 80. <laughs> 80. 80, 80. <laughs> <laughs> I read it, and it sounded weird, but I didn't know how to say it differently. 80, 80. Stop making fun of me. All right. So, on to the next grouping. Mm-hmm. What do you got? What do you got? Oh, 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 okay. Because uh, we keep talking about episodic, and I think we should give a really good example of episodic. Yes. So, do you want me to go first? You go first this okay. time. So, last year I read Green Shadows, White Whale by Ray Bradbury. And the idea is this young writer, which is... Bradbury, goes to Ireland to write for this movie called Moby Dick, which is being directed by John Huston. So it's, it's real life, but because he's in Ireland, he's in this whole other world, and he gets lost in all these stories. And then if you, if you know anything about John Huston, he is quite quite the character Mm. in fact there's there's this book there's another book about him and then there's a movie about him being him and he liked he liked to mess with people and he liked to get different reactions and so there's there's a lot of things that you read a chapter and you're like was that true was that real and the answer is yes so it's just a fascinating book that they, they blend all these Irish tales and traditions, but he's meeting these real people, and it's just a fascinating and beautiful book. And getting to the episodic point, it is very episodic, because it is about these stories that he has, like these little encounters he has with Houston, this is encounter he has in this Irish pub, he goes to an Irish funeral, 
so all these things while he's trying to write the screenplay. Isn't that a great thing about being a writer is you can just live your life and then write about it. Write about it. I know. It's just how he does it. It it just really balances like it's just a weird balance of fiction and nonfiction that kind of sets you off kilter. Mm -hmm. And it was I just ate this book up. It was so much fun to read. Bradbury is such a fun author to read. I love his voice. So because of that, I thought I would read Something Wicked This Way Comes this summer and try this one out. I don't really know much about it, but I'm very excited to read more Bradbury. I know I have Dandelion Wine is another one of his, Yes, right? I, I would like to read that one. And, of course, Fahrenheit 451 is his, his big famous one. Then. Yes, his hallmark. Yeah. So this one I would highly recommend. Also would recommend Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. Even though you probably yeah, have to course. read it in school. Yeah. But no, but like this Green Shadows White Whale is more episodic and it's like a fairy tale. And so it's, yeah, it's transportive and it's, yeah, it's, it's very good. Read it. Now. <laughs> Go do it. So my turn for episodic. And I think om- I picked this book, uh, Blanding's Castle by P.G. Woodhouse, but Part of me was just saying anything by P.J. Woodhouse, his short stories. He has the Jeeves and Wooster series. P.J. Woodhouse always writes with such uh, comical... Uh, what? Repartee? What partee? Oh, I thought you were going to do comical comics. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's comical, but not outrageous. Sometimes outrageous, but mostly grounded in uh, odd reality. That's mm-hmm. how I'll put it. Mm-hmm. But... And it's kind of an odd time frame that he has it in yes. like, with this kind of aristocracy where they don't do anything, but they have money, but then they're always running out of money and yeah, it's they're very... trying to get their uncle's money. And It's weird. Think of P.G. Woodhouse writing the same things that like Evelyn Waugh does in, in A Handful of Dust, just with some humor instead of just dying alone in the forest. Well, Waugh is satire. Yeah. It's funny. It's black humor. But like Woodhouse is more like bonk you over the head. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Like laugh out loud. Well, like if you read too much Wah in the wrong mind frame, you'd be depressed. But if you read too much P.G. Woodhouse, you'd just be a, a squirrel. Are you okay, Edwin? I'm yeah. worried about you and reading Wah. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're all good. Okay. But do you have a particular story of a Mr... Of Mr. Blanding? Of uh, Blanding's Castle. Blanding's Castle, that's what it is. He's a person, though, right? Or is it a c- castle name? Blanding's, yeah. Blanding, Blanding's is the castle. This yeah, the and name so the on castle. the cover, he he has a pig. Is that correct? In one of the stories, he has a pig, yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe we should just have a theme of, of pigs and books. No, there's just, like, he always has this. So, uh, McAllister is the, is the lord of the Blanding's Castle. Uh, no, sorry. Lord's Al- Elmsworth. His first name is McAllister or Alexter. I can't read names very well. It's been a while since I read this book. Stop laughing at me. Anyways, so his interaction with his gardener is what really gets me. Because his gardener is uh, Scotch-Irish again and very much... They, there's always clashing heads over what should be. And one of them is, is having a mossy uh, cedar grove. And... Uh, Lord's Elmsworth wants uh, the moss to stay, but they always have these functions 
that the whole town has to be a part of that he hates. He he hates it because he has to basically get up in his top hat and give a little speech, which is usually prepared for him, but he still hates it. So everybody, it, it, the mossy lanes don't work well for these events because they get all muddy. So they want to put gravel down. So he just he just has these fights with the gardener and then the gardener leaves and he has to go into London. And of course, um, hilarity ensues. Indeed. I'll leave you with that. Indeed, sounds sounds amazing. I love Woodhouse. In the future, I I would this summer maybe uh, a little bit later. I'm gonna hopefully pick up some more Jeeves and Wooster. Yeah, yeah. Because those are always delightful. Yeah. What was it? ABC did a really nice. Yes. Uh, I think it's three seasons. Maybe it's four. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, but they they did a really nice Jeeves and Wooster. TV show with Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. Yes. Very good. Very well done. Yeah. Very enjoyable. It will have you speaking with a British accent. Yes. I know if you watch too much of it. I have that too. If I watch like too much Masterpiece Theater, I start yeah. talking in a weird accent. And like, what happened to me? <laughs> it's usually not a good British accent, but... No, it's what we hear though. Yes. Yeah. Are we on to the next one? Megan we gets... are. Let's do it. All right. Um, I am going to pick this time and we're going to, we're, we're going to do some, some difficult talkings now. Cause we're going to, we're going to broach the subject of philosophy. Ooh. Yeah. So I get in trouble for not ever reading nonfiction, which is not true. By the way, I do read nonfiction. Just putting that out there. And we're going to talk about a book that I read that is not fiction. Re- reading cereal boxes is not qualifies reading Label nonfiction. Count. <laughs> There's important information on there. How many calories does this have? I <laughs> don't want to know that. Dairy in it. No. Um, so let's let's talk about some philosophy, some nonfiction. So one that you had recommended to me. Yes. And I'm so thankful that I read it. Mm-hmm. Pretty much right away after you recommended it, actually. You did. You did well. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I did not sit on my my, you know, my desk for six months waiting for me to read it. And that is Walker Percy's Lost in the Cosmos, the last self-help book. The title title really says it all. It does. I don't know how else to explain it. But, I mean, the New York Times says, charming, whimsical, slyly profound. That is so lackluster of a recommendation. For one thing, it's not charming. The charming is like flim flam, like oh he's charming, you know, like I wouldn't date yeah. him, but he's charming. Mm. Yeah, like uh, no whimsical, no it, it's it's witty. It is witty. Okay, slyly profound. No, it's just straight up profound. It is. It doesn't. It doesn't sneak up on you. It's, no, it's just kind of there, and you're like, thank you, sir. Yeah, I appreciate you. But the package deal is so great because he yes. writes it in the style of a self help book, which we all know are horrible to read. But what yeah, he does... Yeah, this is not a boring self-help book. No, it's not, not it's, at all. It's not 12 life rules to being a better person for your dog, you know? <laughs> I read the one about my hamster. Is that okay? Yeah, I don't know. They're probably... The I want my cat to read a book, How to Be a Better Cat to Me. <laughs> Stop scratching me. <laughs> it's probably... It would be like stopping a pain yeah. to your cat. It's probably well, you... Well, I'm not I a think pain. a self-help book for a cat would probably be putting all the blame on the owner. 
just knowing oh, cats. That's what cats do. Yeah, so it'd be like, your owner is annoying, scratch him more. <laughs> that is how you deal with life. We'll get to cats later. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's he poses a question and then he gives you all these options and you have to answer it. Um, so it's, it's kind of like you're doing the work, but it's just so funny. It, it's fun how? because also it, it shows you how you don't really think ahead on a lot of questions. So mm-hmm. you so, so it's really delving into all the aspects and you have to really think these questions through. Yes. Yeah. Anything more you would like to say about it? I would say that it's one of the best books when it comes to dealing with um, suicide or suicidal thoughts. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Walker. Per- and who who are you? Which yeah. is related. Yes. Yeah. But Walker Percy, of course. I mean, his father and mother committed suicide. His father did. Father brother. Or I don't know, but there's a lot of suicide in his family, mm-hmm. and he dealt with depression. And, I mean, he had a chronic illness yeah. that was with him his whole life. So I mean, he's not a stranger to dark thoughts, uh, but yet he's able to put a book together that deals with it in a frank matter while still having humor in it. Yeah, it's a very healing book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you, you had warned me when I first read it that there's this one section in the middle that is not in the same format as the, the you it's, know, it's a little answer. essay. Yeah. And, um, it's what more based in like mathematics and, um, yeah, it's yeah, just uh, like more, it's also, oh, more what's... essay form, more diagram. Like, is that the diagram part? Yeah, but that has yeah. to do with uh, semantics, or yeah. so uh, the it has to do more with with symbols and with yes, I forget yeah. the word, but it has to do with symbols and and meaning mm-hmm. inside of symbols. Yeah, so it's you don't even need to read it to enjoy the book. You don't, but I would say go ahead and plunge in mm-hmm. to that part because I think you would be surprised at how well you do. Yeah, and you don't have to get it all at one time. Definitely not. And I, I think that's, with all books, don't expect to get everything out of it the first time. Like, that's the fun fun of books, that you put it down, you're like, I could I could read that all over again right now. Yeah. Like, that's when you know you have a good book. Yeah, you don't want to get everything out of it all at once. Exactly. I mean, now that we're talking about it, I think you can say this about every book. This is boring. I'm sorry. But I'm going to reread this soon. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, and I find I got my own copy now too. So yeah, but mine's hardcover. It's true, but mine is cuter. It's a cute little paperback. Again, that's Walker Percy's Lost in the Cosmos, the last self-help book. Highly yeah. recommended. It's so good. My pick for um, nonfiction. We have a couple nonfiction, but this is this is one of them. Is shop class as soulcraft. An Inquiry into the Value of Work by Matthew B. Crawford. Work has always fascinated me. I love work. Work is the best. It really is. What we're doing right now is working. It doesn't even seem like we're working. No, it doesn't. Work is amazing. But Because what I think of work as is ultimately work is a creative thing, right? Because God worked for six days. He created. Yeah. And then he rested. Yeah. And like that, just that bringing into being, whether it's thoughts or actual um, product, physical, tangible product, 
which if you check out our Etsy store, we have a lot of really cool, physical, tangible, touchable product. True that. Like, Lives in an actual space. Yeah. It's actually here right now, and it can be actually over by you in a couple days. Yeah. If you're in the continental U.S. Yeah. If you're not, then it's going to take longer. Yeah. But it will get there eventually. And when it comes to talking about what's real and what's worthwhile and all those questions, Crawford digs into that. And he does it in a really good way. So one uh, shop uh, class is it's not going to present all the philosophy in it in a philosopher's jargon. Mm, how does it present it more? Because like so Walker it, Percy did it more like question and answers for you to ponder. This is definitely much more story. Like anecdotal? Anecdotal. And then delve into what the lessons learned there are. Similarities between this and that. Um, speaking about Heidegger and so on. And is that what uh, you say to a man digging a hole? Hi, digger. <laughs> How's it going? But yeah, read it, read it, not just for the philosophy, but just for the anecdotal parts, because mm -hmm. the, the philosophy is there. I mean, that's all he's doing because he's a, he's a philosophy teacher. He's that's what philosophy people do is they say, like, this is life and just realize in amongst it is is philosophy. Philosophy exactly. yeah. is just trying to make sense of life. Yeah. Yeah. But some books don't turn out as well. Right? Like, it can be easy for the anecdotal just to be a sob story about your life. Like, I read this really interesting book about Boethius, and he told it kind of... I forget now who wrote it. But he, he wrote it kind of as going through his life. Okay. And the first half of the book was fascinating. It was awesome. And, in fact, if you can find a cheap copy of it, get it for that half. But... The last half, I just remember him kind of whining and just saying how wonderful he is. And I remember something about orange juice. He kept bringing up orange juice. <laughs> oh, I think it was because he was fasting or something like that. And he couldn't even have orange juice. I don't know. Something like that. And I was like, dude, it started so well. So would you say that Crawford like kind of oh. like goes to the edge of being just like self-centered and kind of like getting off topic. No, because his it... his anecdotes aren't always about him. They oh. are they are in the beginning, but then what he does is he goes to different shops and the best anecdote he has is pipe organ building. It is so interesting. Just if you could just like plop down in a bookstore and read for a little bit, just turn to the page with the pipe organs. And just, just just read about it. So if they like this book... Yes. Would you recommend... Does he have any other books? Would you recommend another book? So if you want to get more into the same subject about meaning of life, finding meaning in work, the next book to read would be by him, The World Beyond Your Head. I'm going to warn you, I found it difficult. Was it beyond your head? It was quite far beyond my head. Uh, I had to claw my way through that thing. Um, it's much more philosophical, less, you know, approachable. Yeah. It's so if this book really gets you and you're like, yeah, I want to do more of this kind of stuff, then pick up the world beyond your head. Uh, or, or how about would it go well with Lost in the Cosmos? Oh, yeah. In fact, I would read Lost in the Cosmos first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
I think I think Lost in the Cosmos is is going to touch on some of the same things. Mm -hmm. Lost in the Cosmos is is if you had to pick between like you're on desert island and you only have one of the two to pick from, you're going to pick Lost in the Cosmos. Yeah, sorry, this is just the way it's going to be. But both really worth reading. Absolutely. All right, next. Moving along. Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of the Summer Reading List. We hope you have enjoyed the Ducks Never Waver lunch break. If you would like to fill your senses with more Ducks Never Waver goodness, you can feast your eyeballs on Instagram and Facebook. Touch some of our beautiful pieces that we will ship right to your door by ordering them through Etsy. Or you can continue hearing us on this magnificent culmination of auditory recordation. Donation buckets are in the description for you to invest in the betterment of this podcast. We will work diligently to read and present interesting topics. Your hard-earned money will be joyously and gratefully spent to improve your lunch break. Want to keep your hard-earned money? And who doesn't? You can still support us and yourself by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this year podcast with all the other ducks in your life. Stay quacky, my friends. Okay, I am excited to be here. I am loud and ecstatic. I'm always excited. You're always ecstatic. I am. Or are you just static Ah! <laughs> so, today, we are going to be talking about books, which is so exciting. <laughs> Did I sound like that? That sounded fun. I like I the sound effects. Can I just be your noise for I see. Like, I was thinking that maybe we would start with a kazoo. That's for the war. Oh, are we all dead now? Yeah, that was a big bomb. Like, boom! Ah! This is a little zany. I don't know. How this this is approaching go. zany at the speed of light. I know. We didn't write any notes for this one. Oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! Okay. Ah! I promise. The more excited I get, I talk really loud and really high. A little squeak, a little mouse.